This episode contains material that might be triggering for some. If you need to stop the podcast at any time to take care of yourself, please do so. If you need support, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. Dialectical Behavior Therapy was created in the 1980s by Marsha Linehan in Seattle, Washington. Today, DBT is taught all over the world. We're two therapists who believe everyone can benefit from DBT skills. I'm Kate. I'm Michelle. And And this this is is DBT and me. Hello, everybody. Hello. We're talking today about (laughs) arguably a pretty monstrous topic. I like that word, monstrous. (laughs) It's a big thing to talk about. But like also monstrosity has like some connotations to it. True. I like it. No, I'll stick with it. I like it. (laughs) I was going to say, I could say like enormous, gigantic. Uh like monstrous. We're going with it. (laughs) We're going with monstrous. Okay. A monstrous topic, which is, what does it look like to create a life worth living? Um. And a little bit of the backstory of how we arrived at talking about this. So we got an email from a listener who basically the listener said something like, can you guys record an episode about what comes? I don't have the exact email in front of me. So I'm kind of going off the top of my head and it was a few months ago, but basically like what comes after you've kind of, you know, reached sobriety or like reached kind of this recovery point like you've gone through say a dbt program and then and then what (laughs) and literally the first thought that came into my brain was well then you're meant to create a life worth living that was just the phrase that came to me which any of you who have been around the dbt block enough times you know that creating a life worth living is a pretty common thing that's talked about within dbt as a whole And then I decided in preparation for this episode, well, I should look up what it says in the manual about creating a life worth living. And I'm sure it's in there somewhere in the manual, but I couldn't find much about it. And so this seems like something important for us to dive into more and share about more in depth. I was able to find some stuff online about Marsha Linehan herself talking about her idea behind the concept of creating a life worth living, which of course that phrase comes from her as the founder of DBT. And she was really talking about it in the sense of that because DBT was meant to originally be used with clients who were diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And for a long time, it was very assumed in the clinical world that clients who had a BPD diagnosis, they would inevitably be suicidal. Just that was par for the course. If you were diagnosed with BPD, you must have had a suicide attempt at some time in your life, or at the very least, you have had persistent thoughts of suicide. And that therefore, a lot of times, clinicians who were working with these clients were hoping, well, the goal of DBT is to get them to not feel suicidal anymore. That's the goal. <laughs> and I found this little clip on YouTube where Marsha was basically saying, that's not the goal. 
<laughs> the goal is to have it be that somebody goes beyond just staying alive to actually getting to this place where they want to live life with all of its ups and downs. They may very well still have thoughts of suicide. Life is messy, but that they also feel like they're able to find meaning in having a life that is all of those things. That they're able to find a reason to want to keep living, not to just keep living. Not to just not Continuing die. on living is not <laughs> enough. Yeah, exactly. To not just not die. Um, and I liked that approach from her. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And before we get going into <laughs> it, uh, I'm going to do self-promotion. And I'm going to mix it up a little bit today because as Kate acknowledged last month when we did our whole special on the book, our book is now a big thing to promote. <laughs> and we haven't really promoted it much before last month and this month. So if you have not already gotten a copy of our book, you can search for it on, I mean, Amazon's the biggest platform of where you can find it. DBT for everyone. Just search for DBT for everyone on Amazon. We have a link down in the show notes and you can find it. It's available in audiobook, obviously available in print, and then it is available in an ebook form. And I'm really hoping they have that back on Amazon by the time this episode is released because Amazon's been glitchy and hasn't showed that it's available in ebook, but it is, you guys. So hopefully the that'll be back. Read with a British accent, which I don't know is a selling yes. point to me. Yes. Yeah. Kate's been listening to the audiobook. Um, and <laughs> yeah, very cool that it's someone listening so to different our own us. words, but not sounding like us at all. It's weird. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is probably weird. The other thing I realize normally what I say as part of promotion is, you know, give us a rating or write us a review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you listen, which of course we love those. Also, though, I realized what would be even more meaningful to us at this point is that if you have gotten the book and if you have read it, can you leave us a rating and a review on Amazon? That really helps get the book more visible. And at least as of today, when we're recording it, I don't know, I maybe looked a day or two ago, we don't have any reviews yet from readers or listeners, if you're listening to the audiobook, And that would be really meaningful. If you wanted to do that for us on Amazon. So I'll say that. <laughs> um, also, as far as other ways to support the podcast, you could become a patron if you like by going to patreon.com slash dbtme. You can also sh check out our Etsy shop. I know by the time we're releasing this, the holidays will be done, but we still have very cool things on Etsy that you can go and shop for. <laughs> Um, send us emails. If you have ideas for episodes like this listener did, um, or you have questions about anything, dbtmepodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't already either, you can also check out our other podcast called The Couch in the Chair. So all this good stuff is down in the show notes for you guys. Links to The Couch in the Chair, links to the Etsy shop and the Patreon and all that jazz and the book. <laughs> so that's what I'll say as far as promotion goes. But the way that today is going to look, Kate's going to start, and we are each going to just take turns sharing a little bit about how we make sense of this idea of creating a life worth living, what we believe that means, how we, you know, talk about it with clients, and then how we just experience that in our own lives. Like, do we feel like we are creating lives worth living? Why or why not? And to just share personally a little bit, 
And then in the next part of the episode, we're basically just going to talk about what DBT skills we feel are most essential for creating a life worth living. Obviously, doing any DBT skills conceivably will bring you closer to it, but there's a few that we really want to highlight as it pertains to this idea. So that's what we're in for today. (laughs) All right, Kate, you ready to kick us off? Sort of. So two things. One, I do want to give everybody a warning. I'm still dealing with a pinched nerve in my neck. If I make little squeaky, squawky, ouchy noises in the middle of talking, I apologize. If we make it while Michelle's talking, we can edit it out. But if we do it while I'm talking, it's probably going to make it in. So I apologize in advance if that happens. And second of all, (laughs) right now, Michelle, as you were reading the intro and what we were going to do, that I realized the first half of the what this means to you. Well, it's supposed to be more like client oriented, like things we think of this as making making sense of this more meta and less directly as it applies to ourselves. I'm just running with what I did. Uh, yours is going to be more that then. <laughs> well, I was actually kind of thinking of it a little bit as both. Like, okay. yeah, what this means to us personally. Um <laughs> broadly too if it goes in that direction of just what do we think this means that's fair anyway so creating my, a life my uh, flavor might be <laughs> slightly off <laughs> from yours but that's okay that's all right we'll get there um so creating a life worth living what does this mean to me well uh i was tempted to answer the entirety of this in one bullet point um oh b- before i get to that ADHD brain bounce. I want to share an anecdote, which is just that I love this question, even though I actually found answering it today to be rather emotionally disruptive. Um, but way back when I was getting my philosophy degree at UW, my favorite, 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 favorite course was called The Philosophy of a Good Life. And it was just an examination of basically this question. Uh, what does it mean to live a good life. That's how they phrase it, live a good life. Uh, But it was essentially the idea of a life that was worth having lived it, right? Um, And that was the entirety of that quarter was just reading things and discussing. And anyway, I like this question. It tickles my brain. Um, So anyway, that aside. Um, Yeah, I I thought more deeply because I wanted to have more to say, and there is more to say to it, but uh, I suppose you can see how much of a priority it is to me that the very first answer to occur to me uh, to this it was such a large response in me that it was tempting to think that it was the only answer uh, to the question. I had to wait for the echoes to die down a little bit. Um, even in my notes, I have part of it in like italicized, bold, underlined, larger font, right? Kind of thing. Um, which is to transmute my suffering into benefiting the lives of others. That, like that, above all, more than anything, uh, is the thing that gets me through my day-to-day um, of thinking, feeling that my life is worth living, no matter the messy parts, right? Like, Michelle, you were talking a lot about with that Marsha was talking about finding a life worth living, even with things like relapses or suicidality or self-harm or other, like, quote-unquote, problem behaviors or difficulties, emotional struggles, uh, finding it anyway. And that's what this is for me the most, right? Um, this is finding a life worth living in a life of suffering, um, explicitly. 
this is a couple of different things for me. If we're talking in regards to DBT skills, uh, this does a lot to help me align with the uh, big A of ABC, right? So the long-term values, right? Like living a life that's in alignment with my values. Um, or that's what, well, that's uh, living, building a lot. Oh, how do they phrase it? Something, something in the long term. It's uh, oh, wait, accumulating positive experiences in the long term. There we go. That's the phrasing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, it's also uh, also the M, uh, the meaning from improve for me. Uh, sort of both of those things combine, I would say, to this very deeply held philosophy and value and priority <laughs> and way I make sense of things. Um. Yeah, because I have had a lot of shit, uh, and I expect to continue that, but we'll talk more about that in the next bullet point. Um, but yeah, I, all of my, all of the bad, all of the painful, all of the, yeah, hardship, uh, that I have faced in my world is okay to me if I can transition it, transmute it, use it to help others be seen, be healthier, feel heard, right? Like clients uh, most directly, um, if I'm to be, it makes me feel so shy and imposter syndrome but apparently some of you guys that listen, um, it does that for, uh, if some of the emails, the most amazingly touching emails, guys, um, that we've received uh, or to say anything, right? Like, that's what I want to do. I want to show my suffering to others and show how that can be transitioned, how that can be moved through. And just so people know they're not alone and know they're seen. Um, if I can take, yeah, living through what I've lived through and make it so that other people's lives are easier because of it. That takes care of most of it for me. <laughs> like, that's, that's really the biggest thing here. Um, me being me and how much I do value honesty, if we're talking about other things for the uh, big A or long-term A of ABC, um, honesty, right? Pretty radical honesty is a big deal for me. And so I didn't think it was reasonable of me to talk about these priorities that I have or these um, criteria, I guess, uh, for creating a life worth living without talking about what I would say is sort of the dark underbelly of these criteria where they don't serve me, how uh, they can sometimes get co-opted by my mental illness and struggles into things that are less, don't serve me, even if they <laughs> seem to serve building a life worth living. It's a complicated thing. Um, With this one, the thing I recognize here is just how much I deprioritize my own experience of my life as a way to judge whether it is life worth living or not. More or less suffering doesn't matter. It doesn't give me any incentive to avoid future suffering, to keep myself out of bad positions, to take myself out of bad relationships. It in no way prioritizes my having in any way, shape, or form pleasant or positive experience of my life. The only thing, the the only thing, see, it's in my language, Uh, (laughs) top thing that I see as being the arbiter of whether or not my life was worth living was whether it benefited other people, which seems great and magnanimous. And I could, you know, rub my nails on my jacket and feel very proud of myself. But (laughs) if that gets really co-opted, if you look at it more closely, right, like a life lived in service of others, fucking fantastic, right? thumbs up. Uh, I really think that 
this idea of transmuting my suffering into others does more broadly transition into the idea of giving back or leaving things better than I found them. And those are healthy. Those are great. Those are good. Um, not feeling incentivized to make my life any better in order to consider it a life worth lived was in many ways a way to cope uh, with a life that I didn't expect to be very pleasant. Uh, but when you don't expect something, it's hard to work towards it uh, at all. Um, which is really consistently consistent with sort of what, uh, I don't know, two sides of the same coin with what I see as the dark underbelly of my second one, which is make the little moments count or accumulating positive experiences in the short term, right? Really, the A of ABC is most of, <laughs> for me, most of where I find creating a life worth living. That little letter does a lot of heavy lifting in my life. Um, ooh, so much alliteration there. That was great. Um, anyway, um, yeah, the little moments, right? I savor the shit out of the small joys in life. Like, that is so fundamental to who I am and how I choose to move through the world. Um, legitimately, you stop to smell the flowers is a way that many people have independently chosen to describe me or say is a, like a big uh, defining trait or characteristic of mine. I lean hard into... That first, you know, the sip of tea, the cozy blanket, the warm bath, the tropical sun, the whatever, right? The moments, a first smell of spring in the air, right? Like, but the way that that hides something underneath it that isn't great is that it's sort of comes out of this belief that I realized a while ago was quietly uh, simmering in the background of my brain of there's always more pain. There's always more pain. You can't, you can't, so you have to savor all these little things, right? Because you're always going to hurt, right? Similar to the, I don't expect my life to be good enough to process. <laughs> if I prioritize enjoying my life, then I'm, you know, carving myself a path of disappointment, right? Not prior, not, not prioritizing, not the word I want, not motivating. That's the word I want. Uh, not motivating towards changing that at all. Uh, it's not radical acceptance. It's uh, unhealthy, irrational <laughs> acceptance. Um, so, uh, when healthily realized, I do still strongly believe in both of those ideas, right? If you are someone who has had a lot of suffering in your life, if there life, if there is a way to utilize that for the benefit of others, it is an amazingly powerful experience for yourself. <laughs> like not not screw the other people. Obviously, I think that that's one of the most important things. But if we're talking about how you can make your life worth living, turning your suffering into something that benefits others is a great way to change how your suffering feels to you. Uh, and can go a long way towards letting a very, very, very messy life still be a life worth living. And more broadly, level of suffering aside, <laughs> because it doesn't matter, the leaning into the idea of giving back. Uh, I think that being connected to those around you, whether that be on an individual basis, Michelle's going to go into this more, so I'm going to shut up a little bit. Um, but right, giving back to others is a way of being connected to others in a way that I think is incredibly nourishing and um, foundational often to uh, life worth living in my estimation. Um, and then uh, you, anybody who's listened to this 
podcast much at all knows how much the little a of abc is foundational to me i believe the shit out of that letter um right we cannot choose or terribly control how much bad things come at us in our life we can choose to be mindful of the little moments of pleasure right that is a choice right that's the side of the scales we get to add to intentionally with volition <laughs> Um, and so I do. I do lean into those both really hard, including in a healthy way. But I wanted to show how there can be other things sometimes hiding under stuff that looks very healthy or looks very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Generous? Yes, but not quite right. Um, oh, for goodness sake. Selfless? Sure. Still not the right word. Oh, well. Stop looking for it, brain. <laughs> Magnanimous. There we go. Um in my own life right now, how am I doing at applying my own metrics, my own criteria? Uh, I think I'm doing fucking wonderfully on my first criteria. Guys, I am I A+, A++, 4.5 GPA. I'm doing great at this one, and I feel really good about it. The more different ways that I find to interact with my community and with the people around me, the more ways I feel like I am exercising this and the better I, it's just fantastic. I get you guys, I get the other podcasts, I've got the book now, I got my clients, I've got the clinicians that I'm mentoring and supervising, I've got the direction I get to drive the clinic and how its force moves through the community at large, through groups, through... <laughs> You've given talks recently. I'm Yeah, right. Like lectures. Like there's just so many different things. And so, well, I mean, I am busy as shit. Um, but uh, the way that I am busy is, by and large, incredibly meaningful to me. Um, which makes it a tolerable busyness, right? If I were working this hard at something I loathed, I would be so far past burnt out by now. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think I'm doing fantastic by that. I, I gave myself a wonderful grade at that. Um, the dark underbelly is still there, but I am still living in alignment with my value there very, very well, and I am proud of myself for that. Um, I am doing moderately well at my second criteria. Uh, as we record this here in Washington State, it is 419 and almost pitch fucking black outside. Um <clears throat> And that is deeply upsetting to my soul. Uh, so this is the time of year where I probably struggle with this the most. Um, so this precise snapshot that between being in, uh, not to be a downer, but literal constant pain for going on. Actually, I think we are at or over a month now from this pinched nerve in my neck. That's a bummer. And um, basically, sometimes it seems like the sun doesn't even bother to come up. Uh, between those two things, sometimes I start to lose the shiny of my soul a little bit in the very depth of winter. Um, but that being said, it is still the thing that I scurry towards the most when I can. Like, it's the thing I try to lean into this time of year to make up for it. I have so many scented candles and wax melts and I put simmer pots on the stove and I have so many cozy blankets and I honestly I have over two full dresser drawers worth of pajamas. <laughs> it's a problem. Um, right. So I'm doing OK with that. I'm doing about as well as I can be expected to do with that, given the circumstances in my world at this moment. Um, and I'm I'll go ahead and say that how I'm doing with living a life worth creating, excuse me, creating a life worth living Uh my score is in many ways terrible if I realize how skewed my criteria is. Like if I look at the fact that I don't, I don't take myself into account much. Uh, the note, the bullet point that I, 
that I have for the next uh, thing I wanted to say is I need to matter more in the arithmetic of my life. Like, I just don't. Somewhere between a sort of learned helplessness, a, just an abject lack of expectation uh, of things being pleasant, positive, nice, good, happy. Ooh, that word. Um, and uh, a lack of prioritizing trying to change those things. Um, yeah, I could be doing a lot more. Um to try and build a life where my day-to-day, like the things in the middle ground, right? I'm doing great at the big scale stuff, right? Like I am, there you go, toot my own horn, fight the imposter syndrome. I am a literal force for good in my fucking community and state at large. Like I make a large scale difference and that matters to me and that's fucking fantastic. And I enjoy the shit out of black tea with eggnog. I get it this time of year is the only good thing about the dark months. And I'm mostly missing the entire middle ground there. <laughs> like, I am just fucked at everything between the tiny shit and the gigantic shit. Um, I am doing terribly at that because I do not try very hard, right? Like, it's you're, get, you're pretty guaranteed to do badly at things you're not trying to do well at. Um, and I'm not, really. And it's hard for me to. That is a place that I find it incredibly difficult to lean in. Uh, so, hey, that's where my therapist and I are working a lot these days. Hi, Nicole, if you listen. Um, so I just need to, I felt like I couldn't get away <laughs> with pretending I was doing better in these regards than I really am. Right? I am here to bring it back for the folks who are still firmly on the struggle bus. Um, so last, my sort of summary, my sort of thoughts are that, um, speaking of more DBT skills. I've been dealing a lot lately with a lot of grief and radical acceptance work around how hard, how much hardness, yeah, how much difficulty has been in my life, how much pain, how much suffering, um, and how much of that has been because of my refusal to fight for myself or put myself first. Um, it's not a blame thing. Oddly, I don't feel mad at past me for that, which is an uh, improvement from how I used to be. Haha, <laughs> past me was more mad at the her before that than I am about any of them. <laughs> but it's grief. It's deep grief that I could have made very different choices. Or, haha, <laughs> I want to think I could have made very different choices, and it makes me sad that I was not the person and not in the conditions where I actually could, right? We are all doing the very best we can at every given moment. So I couldn't have actually done better than I did back then. But I wish I could have. And I have a lot of grief that I couldn't. Uh, and I have a lot of grief that I'm soon to turn 40. This is my only pass at these 40 years of my life. Uh, and there's been a lot of ow. Yeah. I can't think of a day of my life that I would say had no suffering in it. Like, it just is bothersome. Um, but then you go right, recycle back around to how am I making that? Uh, a positive impact for others. So anyway, I'm struggling a bit there. I'm having some willfulness there. Fuck you. I want to go back and have those 40 years again. I'm going to do it different. I'm going to do it right this time, Michelle. You watch me. <laughs> like every other 40-year-old on the entirety of the planet. <laughs> I know I could do those at least the last 20 years so much better. So much better. So much better. Not necessarily with more fun. I had a lot of fun in there with all the suffering, too. I want to get the impression that there wasn't a positive side of the scales. There was. I had a rip-roaring 20s. But I'd have done it better. Healthier. 
planning for retirement. If anyone's listening right now, you might not feel this suicidal forever. Put stuff in savings. It doesn't matter. Anyway, that's all. That's my life worth living. Also, plan on being more mentally well later than you are now. <laughs> Didn't even think about it until I was saying it right now. But seriously, it's a, that's a good idea. We tend towards improvement. I have, I have, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore, Michelle. <laughs> I like what you're saying, and I'm going to probably reference a lot of things of what you said okay. as I'm going through my sherry because <laughs> you laid a good foundation to talk about this. And this is what comes up, I think, with you and I, right? Mm-hmm. We are different people who have led very different lives. Yes. That's why we're very different people. Yes. <laughs> um, and yet, I felt like I could relate to quite a bit of what you're talking about. So I'm going to be referencing back to a lot of the things you shared. I'm going to be quiet now because for some reason I feel flustered today. (laughs) You you shared some things that were really poignant and really insightful. So even if it felt, I don't know, scattered or however it might have felt to you. That's probably what it is. Yeah. There's good, there's good nuggets in there. Excellent. May people have fun panning for them. All right. I see the floor. (laughs) Well, I mean, we kind of realized this when we were looking at our notes together of like, hey, we kind of have the same idea of what life worth living means, just different ways to talk about the same thing. <laughs> um, Because I was kind of thinking of it as there's like three big ingredients, I feel like, to a life worth living. And you touched on quite a few of them <laughs> yourself, which is great. Um, Cause I talk about this with clients and I, I, I've talked about it on Q and A's at least once or twice. I'm sure I'll, I'll talk about it as this idea. When we look at our lives of zooming out and zooming in. So zooming out is one ingredient. Zooming in is another. And then I'll talk about the third in a little bit. But when we zoom out, that's kind of like what you were talking about, Kay. I like they were talking about as like the big A <laughs> of ABC. <laughs> what do we value? What matters to us? What are the things that motivate us? What are the things that excite us? What are the goals that we have? These may be things that we're not going to get to for months or years. But what are the things that big picture wise, we want in our lives. It's important to be able to zoom out and see that. And sometimes it can be very hard to see that if you are mired in pain and suffering and just trying to survive what your circumstances look like. So that piece of creating a life worth living may be the last to come on board for many people. But that's one thing, is that when you zoom out from your life, what does it look like for you? And then the second piece is that when you zoom in, what does your day-to-day life look like? The little things. Yep. The little A. What does that look like? And this is the part that you said, Kate. You have consistently been good throughout your life about savoring those little experiences. And I, and I liked that word savoring, soaking in. This is the little stuff. This is what we eat. This is what music we listen to. This is where we go, even if it's just running errands. This is just, you know, the minutia of our lives 
How does that feel for us? Does that feel pleasant and enjoyable? Are we doing things that we enjoy, that feel good to us, just as we're going through our day-to-day lives? That's going to be important. And a lot of times what I see in my work with clients is that people will either have the big picture self pretty well figured out, but they're struggling in the day-to-day. And the most common example I can think of for this, which I personally have experienced, is students, right? People who are in school, they're going after a degree of some kind. They're doing that because when they zoom out, and they see the big picture of their lives, that's a huge thing that they want for themselves. They're striving towards this career that's hopefully in line with their values and their interests. And yet, as they're doing that, which is an amazing thing to do and very admirable, but yeah, they're stressed, they're burnt out, they're overwhelmed, They are, depending on what you're going after and how much it demands of you, they're not having any time for fun or connecting with people. They're just trying to survive school. (laughs) I've been there at points. It's pretty miserable. So that's a good example of like, oh, the zooming out is solid. (laughs) The zooming in (laughs) leaves something to be desired. You can see the flip side of that, right? Where you know people who um, are living their lives in such a way where they're having like, they're having a blast, right? I think this is what we commonly think about of people that say they're, I don't know, late teens, early 20s, <laughs> going out all the weekends, you know, whatever it could look like. But they're having, they're having a good time. They have no direction. Right? Like, day-to-day life is great, super fun, super exciting. And also, if you were to talk to them about things that they're working towards or dreams, they might struggle to think about those things. Or they may have some pieces of their day-to-day life that could be falling apart or not doing well because they're spending too much time focused on just having fun and living life, right? And you've talked about this before, Kate, Mm -hmm. the concept of nice versus kind, Mm -hmm. where being nice to yourself is just doing like, what do I feel like doing in this moment? Not like what's good for me in the long term, just what do I want right now? (laughs) And this would be people who have too much of that and not enough of thinking about the long-term ramifications of their here and now decisions. So you want to find balance with both those things if you're trying to create a life worth living. The third piece of this that you really highlighted, Kate, um, and so I don't have too much more to say probably beyond what you already said about this piece, but I just want to really drive it home how important this piece is. You said it perfectly when you said that part of creating a life worth living is benefiting the lives of others. And people talk about that a lot, right? Giving back, being of service to those around you. And I thought about that too. And this can apply to both the zooming out and the zooming in. Could look either way, can look like both. But how important it is to feel connected to other people 
That is a key component of creating a life worth living. And this can be on a couple different levels. This can just be how connected do you feel to people in more of your inner circle, your direct friends, your family, your spouse, your children, those people that your coworkers, you know, the people that you see day in and day out. And this can be more broadly feeling connected to other people, which as you also said, Kate, like you're feeling in spades right Mm -hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Great. Yes. Having a positive <laughs> impact on people that maybe I've never met. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but I'm doing things and I'm making decisions that I know are having these ripple effects in the world, even if I don't always see them. I'm, you know, giving to causes that are meaningful to me. I'm volunteering my time, whatever it looks like. It can be both of those things, right? Because some of those are more zoomed in and some of those are more zoomed out of ways you can be connected. But man, we need to have some of that to some degree to feel like we're having a life worth living, to be connected to others. So that's really how I think of it, if I had to define it. (laughs) It's all of that mixed up into one. As for creating a life worth living for myself, uh, this is where Kate and I are different. (laughs) Because I am very fortunate in the sense of I have not had a life that was filled with a lot of suffering growing up. I've experienced in adulthood some challenging things that I would certainly classify as traumatic. Um, Having a miscarriage, um, being in a relationship with somebody who was struggling with substance abuse and then his death after our relationship had ended. Um, Yeah, I've been through some things. We've all been through some things. But if we look at my life growing up, it was about as stable as it could have been. And the first thing that I would say was really challenging that happened in my life didn't happen until I was like 16, 17 years old when I had a hip injury from dancing. So that's a lot of years where shit was good. (laughs) In general. Good family relationships. I don't have perfect parents because nobody does, but my parents met all my needs materially and by and large emotionally. I I had parents who were in no way abusive or neglectful or anything like that. I've had long-term friendships and I danced for many years, which was my passion. And which if you would have asked me at like 14, what makes my life worth living it? Ballet, that's what made my life worth living, was all the time and energy and devotion I put into my craft of being a dancer. So my life has been good. And therefore, I think, right, it's very easy to look at it and say, Michelle has a life, she's had a life worth living. (laughs) And in many ways, I have. But if we look at those components that I just talked about, number one, the zooming out, number two, the zooming in, and number three, the feeling connected. I felt number one with zooming out and number three with feeling connected the most. Where I need the work, which is funny because you said for you, Kate, that by and large, you're like, I don't need the work as much there. They can maybe recognize you do at this current moment in your life, but... I've always needed work on number two with the zooming in. And the reason why I've needed that is because I 
prioritize work over play to an unhealthy extent <laughs> in my life. I always have at every stage of my life. When I was, you know, young and in school, um, not just higher education, but like I'm talking like elementary school. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of a time in my life where I've been nice to myself more than I have been kind to myself. I rarely do things impulsively. I, I always just am like, what needs to get done? And I spend so much time on the needs that I ignore the wants. And sometimes if I'm really honest with myself, even though my life is full of good things, I'm not always spending my time enjoying those good things. I'm not because I'm so busy trying to get things done and just trying to work through the to-do list, which is long, <laughs> that I lose sight of, as you said, Kate, smelling the flowers. Nope, I'm too focused on where I need to get to to stop and do that. And that takes away from like how much more rich my life could be, right? And I, I wrote this down in my notes in this way. I'll just read it verba verbatim for all of you. But I wrote down, I get focused on the end destination and I forget to notice and enjoy the journey to get there. Yeah, I'm so focused on my goals. I am so zoomed out <laughs> on the big picture things that my days sometimes don't feel very fun or enjoyable, even though they could be. Everything is there. I'm set up for that. But it's a choice that I'm making to focus on the work instead of the play. And that, for me, when I look at my life, is the component that I feel is missing. The other ones, I've got <laughs> that one. <laughs> that one's the struggle for me. And I was thinking about my current life circumstances. I realized I was just like, what the hell? I'm just going to share some life updates with our listeners. <laughs> um, because last month in the episode we recorded and put out, I talked about moving. And at that time, we did not have an offer on our house. Surprise, you guys. We got an offer the day before <laughs> our contingency deadline. Um, and what? You all will be listening to this on December 27th. I'm moving December 30th into my new house. Super exciting. Um, the other thing I haven't named yet on the podcast, but what the hell, I'll go, I'll go on and Christmas say it. Um, the, the thing, what was that? Say Christmas surprise. <laughs> Christmas surprise, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, the thing that prompted this move is finding out that I'm pregnant with baby number two. So I'm due in April with a little girl, which is exciting. I'm excited to be an auntie again, honorary yes. or otherwise. <laughs> Kate is officially, we're not saying godmother, godmother, she is the goddess mother of this baby. Yay. Anti plus. Anti plus. <laughs> like the new subscription service. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You are subscribing to being in this role for the rest of your life with, with this little girl. Um, but I'm, I'm sharing that with all of you. Because when we're talking about this idea of creating a life worth living, I know there are many of you listening right now that are like, fuck, I want that. I want the white picket fence. 
I want to be married. I want to have kids with an S because many people do want kids with an S. I've wanted kids with an S. <laughs> I'm very excited to be having another, albeit stressed and overwhelmed too, because ooh, parenting's a lot. But I've always wanted two kids. <laughs> um, you know, this house, we're hoping it's going to be our forever home. It's a really exciting, big move to be making. Like, I'm getting all of it. All of those things that we all want, those things that we tell ourselves we need as part of a life worth living. We need to have a partner. We need to have kids. We need to have a house, not just an apartment, like a house. I hear my clients talk about this sometimes, how much they don't want to live in an apartment anymore. They want to own a house and yeah, which is so hard to do (laughs) in the current climate that we live in economically, but these are the things that people want. And so for myself, I'm like checking these boxes. That's a weird way to put it. But I'm I'm having these things. And what's bringing up the question for me a little bit, which I'm sure it does for those of you who maybe are also out there listening who do have these things, who are like, yep, I'm married with kids in the house. <laughs> there are those of you who have that. And you may have wondered this question yourself, which is, and then what else is there? Like, I want those things. I have those things. Those things are wonderful and marvelous and great. And like, do I want that to be the end all be all of my life? That I got the white picket fence and I don't know what else comes after that. And for me, it's like I was kind of reflecting as we were preparing for this episode. And I'm like, huh, for the last, uh, I don't know, five years, <laughs> anything that you would have asked me about, you know, kind of what's going into your recipe of a life worth living, Michelle, it would have been any answer I would have given you would have related to the white picket fence idea or would have related to my career and work goals I have for myself. Um, fantastic. But the thing that I have realized, again, that's like kind of missing, which again sort of aligns with that zooming in idea, is there's no real... Endeavor, passion, project, thing that I'm doing. I can't really find the right word, but something that's just for me. Mm. Everything I do (laughs) is for my son and soon to be also my daughter. It's for my household. It's for my business. Where's the stuff for me? And for a lot of my life growing up, the thing for me was dance. That took up a lot of my time, and I was so fulfilled doing that. I don't have a lot for me right now. When I look at what's on the plate, there's not a lot of room left to be like, what's a passion that Michelle wants to pursue and really put time into? (laughs) I don't know. I don't have an answer. I, I literally could not give an answer for what that piece of my life looks like to have something that I put my time into that is just for me. 
yeah, do I chill on the couch and watch reality TV shows late at night? Absolutely. But that doesn't count. (laughs) That's leisure. That's relaxation. That's good. We need that too. But like what, as my dad has always put it, which I like his phrasing here, what is feeding my soul? Mm. And it's like, yeah, these things feed my soul. Sure. My family, my work. Yeah, that feeds my soul. But like if that were all stripped away. What would I have? And at this stage of my life, that's a gigantic question mark that I don't know the answer to. And so the way that I'm kind of coming to peace with that a little bit is I'm recognizing for myself, because sometimes I get hard on myself about that. And then I want to get into this place where I'm like, yeah, you need to be doing more. And I'm like, no, you don't. (laughs) You're doing plenty. Michelle, you're always doing plenty. You're doing more than enough. (laughs) Like You need to dial back, not ramp up with what you're doing. Um, So I tell myself, and I think it's really true, there are seasons and stages of life. And the season of life that I am in is one of raising small children. That's the season of life I'm in. That's the season of life I'm going to be in for the next few years to come. Where, yeah, that is the center of my universe, is taking care of my son's needs. Yep. (laughs) Unloading the dishwasher, Again, um, <laughs> you know, it's just that that is my life. That is my life right now. And that that in and of itself is very meaningful and worth living for and great. My life won't be this forever. Because eventually, inevitably, your children will grow up. And your role as a parent will shift and change and look different. And so many people are left with that question once their kids are grown and gone, grown and gone of like, uh, <laughs> now I've got to find myself again and I don't know who I am anymore because I've been so centered on them all this time. And so I'm not letting it be like a source of shame. I think that my life is centered on my white picket fence <laughs> and my career. That's totally okay. That's good. That's right. That's exactly where I'm meant to be right now. And so even though I can recognize, oh, there's these pieces that I'd really like to get back. I'd love to be more zoomed in. (laughs) I would love to have something that I do on a regular, consistent basis just for me that brings me joy and fulfills a passion of mine. I would love that. I'm also okay with that being on hold. Um, because I think this, I don't know, <laughs> I feel like this kind of is maybe the note to end on before we talk about DBT skills. But um, it's important, I think, to name that what a life worth living looks like is constantly in flux. It's not like you will listen to this episode today and we hope that you'll maybe walk away from this episode and have some more clarity on what a life worth living looks like for you or what you want it to look like. But what it looks like today is going to look different probably than how it looks a year from now, which is going to look different than how it looks five years from now. Your life worth living, how you define it today, I guarantee is not permanent. It's going to change. It's meant to change. It's supposed to change. And so... Yeah, that's where I'm at. I can recognize the pieces that I wish I had more of. And I can also recognize the true beauty of dialectics that it's okay that I don't have those pieces right now. 
that's all right. Maybe I don't need them too much at this current moment and I'll have time to find them later. And that's perfectly okay. I think that's all I got. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, all right. I guess I feel like at least the first one is just so obvious. I just fly past it because I think in a way we've spent the last, I don't know, how long have we been talking? Hour talking about this one? So, uh, yeah, the A of ABC is a big DBT skill to bring to bear here. And while I am historically and will probably continue in the future to be a big fan of the little A, right? The, oh, excuse me, of course, after you on right then, uh, of the, uh, yeah, building a life worth living with tiny moments. Um, I think when you're actually building a life worth living, that's not the word I wanted the first time, but it is now. Uh, I think that, yeah, you, you need to be able to, as Michelle puts it, zoom out also, right? You need to be trying to live a life that's in alignment with your values as well as living a life where you savor right, the little things. Um, I think build mastery is great and a fun way of practicing the A. Um, I think maybe, Michelle, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but in a way it's almost the B that you're missing from the passion, you know, passions and mm -hmm. things I think of as being a build mastery thing. Um, totally. So you're kind of missing the B of ABC. And while C is great, I don't know if it belongs in this party. Um, the <laughs> which is why I've never understood why they're shoved together. They feel like such different things to me. Anyway, um, <clears throat> because it's better than please master. That's why they're shoved together. But um, yeah, A of ABC, both the in the long term and the short term. There we go. That's the word I'm trying to remember. Right. Uh, so accumulating positive experiences in the long term and the short term through living in alignment with your values and savoring the small stuff that goes a remarkably long way. There you mm -hmm. go. Yeah. Yep. I think our takeaway from this episode is if you are a little fuzzy on what the A of ABC is, go listen to our episode about it. Yeah. Go read about it in our book if you have the book or in any DBT book that you have. Go take a dive into the A and that will set you on the path. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Actually, though, besides the A of ABC, because, yeah, I thought of that one first, too. But the, the one that I thought of pretty shortly after as far as, well, what skills would we want to combine? I don't know why I keep talking about ingredients and recipes. <laughs> but like, what do you want to mix together of DBT skills to create a life worth living? One that I really, really thought about as super crucial here is please. All right. Please is very important, I believe, to creating a life worth living. It's, it's foundational, I think. I think you need the A from ABC and I think you need please. And then if you think of it like a pyramid, put those at the bottom, work your way up with everything else we're talking about. Because please is all about taking care of your physical body. And if you are not taking care of your physical body by, I'm just going to spell out the acronym real quick for those who need a refresher, by taking care of physical illness or injury, by making sure that you are making eating choices that feel good to your body by avoiding mood-altering substances in all their forms, <laughs> by getting adequate sleep, and by exercising and moving your body. If you're not focusing on those things and making sure that those are built into your life, fantastic that you may be savoring small moments. Fantastic that you may have some values that you're living in alignment with. All of that is great. 
you need to be able to do those in a way where your body is going to be tended to. If you're not tended to your body, that stuff is going to break down at some point. It's just going to. And going back to that idea of thinking about students and how students are so often very living in alignment with their values. They suck it, please, by and large. <laughs> Not everyone. I shouldn't generalize too much. I just know that I sucked it, please, when I was a student. I wasn't <laughs> sleeping enough. I never exercised. I didn't have time for that with doing homework, eating. Yeah, you're eating whatever you want at all hours whatever of the can, night. Yeah. Like, whatever, whatever it looks like for you. I know I was not during that time of my life. And um, yeah, it's just, we need to make sure that our body is not being lost in this equation and what we need to physically feel well in the skin that we inhabit so that we can most fully enjoy the experiences that make up a life worth living for ourselves. Gotta make sure our bodies are tended to. It's super important. So I thought that that was a really important one to start with. <laughs> and we say this a lot with please. We're like, go back to please. <laughs> Work on please before you do anything else because it's just going to set you up for better success with everything. I like it. Uh, I'm sort of jamming three in one so you can get to your last two. <laughs> okay. After, which is, it's all mindfulness, right? It's just mindfulness, mindfulness, mindfulness. Uh, mindfulness number the one is practice, just having the practice of mindfulness in your life, right? Just engaging in mindfulness goes a ways towards creating a life worth living. Uh, sort of the A of ABC because everything is the A of ABC tonight. Um, right. It is a pleasant thing. It is a positive thing to add to that side of the scales in your life. Uh, it helps you notice, right? And be aware of, um, when you're living into or out of alignment with your values. Uh, it being mindful is how you savor, right? I would argue forcibly that you cannot savor something mindlessly. I, don't, I think those are, uh, you cannot, you cannot. Um, right. So mindfulness, just as a generalized practice, as a way of uh, moving through the world, as much as we're able to interact with it really goes a long ways towards it. Um, <clears throat> second, and more particularly is mindfulness of your body and of your emotions. Uh, this is a lot of how you learn what you need and want. What are those values? Right? How do, do you, in fact, enjoy tea with eggnog? Um, write in if you've tried it. It's good. Uh, anyway, the, like, how do you know? How do you know what you like and don't like? What you want and don't want? When you're in or out of alignment with those things, it's through mindfulness of yourself, right? Through your body and through your emotions. Uh, and last but far from least, uh, considering how much both Michelle and I emphasized interconnectivity with other people is mindfulness of others, right? How can your life worth living intersect with the lives of others, right? Whether that be thinking about ways that you can give back and that being sort of how you're being mindful of others or just trying to make sure that in your pursuit of your life worth living, you're not trampling on <laughs> the pleasant lives of those around you, like being aware of your impact as you move through the world, right? Whether that be because you're striving for 
a particular impact or just striving not to have a negative impact, being mindful of those we interact with and as we move through the world <clears throat> is incredibly useful for helping yeah, keep our life worth living on track um, and part of a yeah interconnected world as opposed to an individual world. Uh, yeah. Mindfulness, mindfulness, mindfulness. <laughs> That's really great, though, how you broke down all the different ways that mindfulness can look. Yeah, contribute, right? There's different, yeah, different mm -hmm. places to apply it for. Yeah. Yep, totally. Well, my last two here were in the distress tolerance region of DBT. But one thing that I thought was really important, and Kate and I didn't talk about it too much in our sharing, but this may apply to you. And I think for the listener who maybe originally wrote in, which I feel bad, I should have reread that email before we started recording as I reference it. But when it comes to like, if we look at it through the lens of addiction and people who are no longer using a substance that they were using for quite some time, and now they're trying to figure out what their life looks like when they don't have that in it anymore, when it was probably central for so long to be using whatever the substance was, for many, many people, whether it looks that way or looks a different way, the biggest barrier to creating a life worth living is, as DBT would put it, a problem behavior. Um, something that you are engaging in or using that makes it feel like creating a life worth living is like swimming upstream. It just makes it tough when that thing is in the picture. That thing could be, I mean, I'm thinking of like typical classic addictions here, but like that thing could be gambling. That thing could be excessive spending. Yep. Using substances of any kind. That thing could be self-harm. It could be all kinds of things. And even though I really liked that Marcia said that, you know, it's, it's the starting point. <laughs> it's the starting point to try to change those things in your life. That's not the end all be all goal. And people will talk about this, I think, a lot when it comes to recovery. Like, not using the thing is just the first step. That's a big, big, big thing to get to in and of itself. But then you have to figure out what comes next. So if you're realizing for yourself that deep down you know, I am going to have a really hard time creating a life worth living as long as I'm still doing X, fill in the blank here with whatever X may be for you. Pros and cons could be a very helpful skill to utilize. We say this with pros and cons a lot. I'm going to say it again here because I can't say it enough. Yes, make your pros and cons grid. And then you have to use it. <laughs> Read it every day. Put it somewhere where you can see it. Save it on your phone. I don't care what you need to do. Remind yourself of your pros and cons consistently. Update your pros and cons as you need to. But that thinking about the pros and cons of whatever thing you may be engaging in that you know is ultimately deep down not benefiting you and making certain challenges in your life. Yeah. Pros and cons is a good place to start with trying to work on doing that thing less, ideally. 
Um, though, again, we talk about with pros and cons, the main purpose of it is just to take a really balanced viewpoint and to get better understanding of yourself for why you're doing that thing in the first place. There's some reason for doing it. Um, so it's a, it's a good, it's a good, um, skill to be using to start exploring the role that that thing is playing in your life. And if you want it to look different than what it looks like now for yourself. So I thought that was important. And then the other thing that I thought was important, and I don't know, we talked about it last month in our book episode because I wanted us to read the chapter <laughs> on willingness versus willfulness. I don't know. It's just on my brain because I always need more willingness in my life personally. <laughs> so maybe this will resonate for others or maybe I'm just really picking skills that I'm like, well, this is what I need for my life worth living. <laughs> but I hope the skill of willingness will hit home for many of you out there listening, because gosh, I think it is really important when it comes to creating a life worth living is that we need to have an attitude of willingness as we go through our days. Um, Being able to roll with the punches of what life throws at us and be willing to revise and change how we want things to go, depending on what life is throwing at us. And having an attitude of flexibility and openness, that's really important. Because my guess is if you think about one or two people in your life, if you had to pause and do that for a moment to think about who do I know that I feel like has created a life worth living? If you could think of a couple people, my guess is those people embody willingness. That would be my guess. I don't know you, I don't know the people you're thinking of, but I would bet on it <laughs> that willingness is part of their demeanor and part of their outlook on life to be able to maybe just maintain positivity and awareness and again that, okay, we'll just change course when life is throwing hard things their way. If you're practicing willingness, that hard stuff isn't going to get you down quite as much as if you're moving through life willfully, where even the smallest things can bring you down <laughs> if you're being willful and everything can feel like a crisis when you're in that state of mind in the end of the world. But with willingness, things are more likely to be kept in perspective. So I think it's a helpful way to be looking at the world when it comes to creating a life worth living. I agree. Yeah, so that's what I've got as far as skills go. Okay. Hopefully that's a good amount for people to pick and choose from with where they want to start. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. If we haven't, I think we hammered a few home, but it's good to take take a couple extras and put them in there. Uh, this We have a spot here for takeaways, if we have any. I'm trying to think what mine was, I, or if I had any. Um, a lot of it was from, like, the process of writing it, so I talked about it while, you know, I was doing my talking. Um, I think from listening to you and uh, what we talked about afterwards, I liked the I like that you emphasized it because it was going to be my takeaway before you said it. So I'm still saying it, whatever. Um, but like the fact that it changes, right, that your definition mm -hmm. or goals or criteria are likely pretty much certainly to, to, to shift uh, throughout uh, your life, you know, over the course of your life. I think that was really great. I liked your idea of seasons um, of different things like that. Um, and then, you know, I, I think I mentioned this out loud when we were uh, 
leading up to this, and you might have said something similar, but it's, it continues to strike me how much we are both different and the same. Um, and so while it definitely played out differently and things like that, I still love that our like highest level ideas of what makes a life worth living are the same, even if very different. I don't have nearly as much trouble with leisure as you do. (laughs) 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 Which is the thing I admire about you and want to strive for more in my life. (laughs) I know. And vice versa. I'm like, but do you know Michelle has, has finished checklists? That's a thing. (laughs) I don't even understand the concept of a completed to-do list. I don't understand. (laughs) I do a lot, but I just always have more on the list than I could possibly do in the time. Anyway, you're somewhere Mm -hmm. between better at making the list and better at making them happen. Um, But (laughs) uh, yeah, no, I just, I like, I always enjoy bumbling into those reminders. Uh, So that's probably it for me. Yeah. I think my takeaway came from you because I hadn't I hadn't really thought about it this way, but I feel like again we're gonna get listeners hearing this episode and coming at it from different perspectives. And I know one perspective that some people may have is that they might be listening to this and being like, I'm not doing in like quote unquote enough with my life. Oh, right? sure. Yeah. I'm going to work, I come home, and then I engage in leisure. By myself. Yeah. And that's what my life is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not connected enough. I'm not, you know, I'm not impacting the world enough. I'm not. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not zoomed out yeah. enough, you could say. But you really spoke to, I think, actually really well, maybe the people who are listening where they, yeah, are doing good work. Mm. And they know they're doing good work. Yeah. And they know that that means like they're creating a life worth living because they know there's going to be these ripple effects of the work that they're doing. Like I'm thinking of people who do volunteer and who engage in advocacy work in their communities and like all of that. And you said it really well at the beginning. I'm like, huh. Yeah. It's a good point (laughs) where you're like, but where am I in the arithmetic of my life? And when do I need to pause and go, yeah, I'm doing good work that benefits other people and I need to pause and notice myself and my own needs and how am I taking care of that? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure we have people listening who that probably hit home for them where they're like, yeah, I'm doing all the good works in the world <laughs> <laughs> and something feels like it's I'm missing. such a good person. <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm doing good shit. Like, yeah, I am helping others. Mm -hmm. I am contributing to causes that are meaningful. And And yet I really feel like something is missing from my life worth living. Mm -hmm. And you spoke to that. And I was like, that is a good point. (laughs) Yeah, so I appreciated that. All right. Does that? All right, I'm going to talk about coffee hour. Jumping the gun. Don't mind me. (laughs) Oh, no worries. You're all good. Uh, So the first thing I will say, I will probably repeat it at the end. The sign up for coffee hour is in the show notes. So if you are intrigued by what I'm about to talk about and you want to sign up, go to the show notes. Um, I guess I'm going to try to keep this super, super brief. I just know it's been a number of months since we offered a coffee hour. And in case people are like, coffee hour, what's that? What are you talking about? I'll briefly recap it. So Kate and I, I don't remember when sometime earlier this year, (laughs) we decided it would be a fun thing to offer monthly talks to mental health professionals. We use the term mental health professional very broadly. That could mean if you are a student 
who is an aspiring therapist, but you just haven't graduated yet. That could be if you do peer work in the DBT world. Um, it could be, yep, if you are a practicing therapist or some kind of helper. But anybody who wants to use DBT professionally someday or currently with other people. If you find yourself in that role, coffee hours are for you. And basically what we do is once a month we host an hour-long talk slash kind of training slash Q&A. It's all of those things combined into one where we have a different topic. And so we give information on the topic for a little while. We leave time for questions. And our hope is that doing these talks provides helpful information about DBT that you may not already know. Lots of people know DBT skills. That's great. But (laughs) it is really hard to then take the DBT knowledge that you know and then disperse it to people that you're serving or people that you're working with as clients. That is tougher. And that's what Coffee Hours is all about. We're not here to talk about what DBT skills are. That's what the rest of the podcast does. (laughs) But each month we're talking about just how you can do this work professionally. So our next coffee hour is coming up on January 8th. We normally host them the first Monday of the month, and we were going to originally host this one on January 1st, but now that I am moving, (laughs) we pushed it back a week. So on January 8th, it's going to be our next coffee hour. They happen from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, but don't worry if you can't attend live. You sign up and you get the replay sent to you afterwards so you can watch it back whenever you have the spare moment. And the topic for January is going to be talking all about how to really teach and explain mindfulness skills to clients. So this is the first in a series, you could say. January, we're talking about mindfulness, but then over the course of the next three months, in other words, before I go on maternity leave, everybody, um, (laughs) we're going to be talking about each of the different modules. And really looking in depth at how we teach these skills, tips we have for talking about it with clients, uh, how you can make sure that you feel confident in presenting the material about each of the modules. So we're going to start off with mindfulness because it's mindfulness on January 8th. So if you want to sign up, you can go to the show notes and click on that and sign up through Eventbrite. It's 17 bucks. Try to make it affordable for folks to come and join us. So we'd love to have you there. I think that's it. I don't think I'm leaving out any important details about coffee hour. Hopefully not. I don't think so. Ouch. Okay. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Ow. Like, frick fracking. pain yeah. kicking in. Yeah, pretty badly. <laughs> mm. Right at closing moment, I of know. course. All right. Everybody wish me luck making it through the next, I don't know, couple, few minutes without squawking at you. I apologize if I squawk. If I do, here you go. Here's my problem. I'll just leave it. I'll just be quiet on either side and I'll let our Nick. Thank you, Nick. Our sound editor fix it thanks guys all right but for now go ahead and get comfortable whatever that means for you today sitting standing laying down whatever feels good and right in your body and if you're safe and feel comfortable doing so i invite you to go ahead and close your eyes as per usual we're going to begin by just noticing our breath You don't need to breathe any more deeply or any more slowly than you are naturally. It's just about paying attention. 
just about focusing in on the rhythms and the sensations of your breath and letting them welcome you into your body and into the present moment. So in today's episode, we spent a considerable amount of time talking about accumulating positive experiences, the A of ABC, and both of us spent a fair amount of time emphasizing the zoomed out version of this. So living a life that's in alignment with your values. To do that, though, we have to have some starting notion of what our values might be. So DBT does have a values and priorities list that they offer. And so I'm going to go through, I'm just going to slowly read off a list of, I believe it is 14 different potential values and priorities. Some of these are likely to sound very important and good to you. Some of them may even come across as distasteful and anything in between. And that's fine. The point isn't to have any particular response to any of these. It's just to listen. To notice if any of them strike a chord or ring a bell for you. Notice if when you hear me read one off, you have a sense of loss or that that's something that's missing, uh, something that you're yearning for in your existence. Notice if it's something that you find repulsive or distasteful. Right? This is about listening to yourself, taking a moment, as I spoke about earlier, to be mindful of your body and your emotions, and just giving a starting place for beginning the internal discussion about what your values and priorities may be. Okay. So some of these values include attending to relationships, being a part of a group, being powerful and able to influence others, Achieving things in life. Living a life of pleasure and satisfaction. Keeping life full of exciting events, relationships, and things. Behaving respectfully. Being self-directed. Being a spiritual person. Having security. Recognizing the universal good of all things. Contributing to the larger community.
Working at Self-Development and having integrity. So again, maybe many, maybe very few of these felt appealing to you. Just take a moment to notice how you're feeling now, to review, if you can, any of those values that elicited a particularly strong reaction in some part of you. And use it as food for thought moving forward and trying to lean into creating more of a life worth living. But for now, you can start to come back into your body and into the space. And you take a couple of slow, deep breaths or do some gentle stretching, your neck, your shoulders, your wrists or ankles. And whenever you're ready, you can go ahead and open your eyes. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks, everybody. To learn more about us and the DBT skills we're teaching each week, join our Facebook group. Simply log in to your Facebook profile and search for DBT and Me Podcast.